Hey everyone, this is the Female Founder World Podcast. I'm Jasmine Garswithy. I'm the host of the show and the creator of this Female Founder World Universe. Actually, we've been co-creating this. We've been co-creating it together over the last couple of years. And if you're new around here, Female Founder World is the place to meet your business besties online and IRL. If you haven't been to one of our virtual or in-person events, you can just head to the website. We've got this like full calendar of networking pop-ups, online AMAs, workshops, all of that's listed on the homepage. So you can register and come along to something we have coming up. Okay. We are celebrating a really big milestone today. It is the 100th episode of Female Founder World, which is just so wild. It blows my mind to think about the collective of women that we've had on this show and that we've brought into this community, all of you guys listening at home and who come to the events, speaking on the panels, in the community on Geneva. I just want to say thank you for listening and for being part of this community. Yes, it gives me all of the feels knowing that you're out there and enjoying this. It's really cool, but it's also just so much fun getting time to like pick the brains of these really cool women in business and also meet all of you at the events as well and learn about what you're building. It's super inspiring and just the best way to spend my time. So thank you. We actually hosted a Female Founder World pop-up in New York this week. It was in partnership with Gorgeous, the like an e-commerce help desk that turns your customer service into a profit center. A lot of businesses that use Shopify use them for customer service. I'll actually link them in the show notes in case you want to check it out. But you know, the event it was such a good vibe. We had Jilly Hendricks from Body Vodka. We had Olivia Landau from The Clear Cut. We had DIY Nail Art by Deco Miami. It was just a really great vibe in New York in general that night at the event. And I don't know, a few people lately have started coming up to me at events and just, you know, like, fair enough. They're asking, what is your story? How did you get this community started? Where did all of this come from? And I guess I kind of hint towards it you know, my past life in some of these shows and also sometimes on social media. But I definitely am someone who comes to Female Founder World with more of a journalistic approach. Like it's not about me and my story necessarily. I really want to be the person who pulls out the information that you guys all want from really amazing founders. And that is also the person that connects you all and builds this network and not really like centering myself in it so much. But obviously people are curious, especially if you listen to the podcast every week, just wondering who the hell I am, what this is, how it got started. And I'm going to address all of that in the show today. So it's not what we normally do. I'm sorry if you're disappointed that it's me and not like, you know, another Ty Haney on the show today, but we'll have another episode next week that is the regular interview format. So today for our 100th episode, I'm going to share my backstory, how I came to create Female Founder World and like what it is, what this business is all about, what we're building, where we're going and, you know, some of the milestones that we've achieved so far. I won't spend too much time on this early backstory, but most of you will know I'm Australian. The accent gives it away, but I actually grew up in Papua New Guinea. So I moved to Brisbane in Australia for high school and university and then when I was like 20, I think, I was at uni, I was studying PR. I was actually working full-time for a PR agency. I'd been interning since I was like 16 and then kind of realized that PR wasn't for me. And I kind of wanted to work on the other side and be the person creating the content and writing. And I was getting really restless. I wanted to move to the big city, which was like, that was Sydney at the time. And I was just really driven and ambitious and and also (laughs) very broke. But 
I started applying for jobs in Sydney and eventually landed one with a website called My Catwalk, which was pretty much the only online store selling women's fashion in Australia at the time. Sounds like an exaggeration, but I actually think it was the only one. And I was doing their social media and content. And so, you know, they offered me a job. I moved myself down to Sydney on this not great salary, but whatever. I literally couldn't afford a mattress. So I was in this share house sleeping on a yoga mat at one point, but it kind of, it worked out in the end and we all do what we've got to do. But I eventually got a a slightly better job working as a shopping editor for what was at the time this like little independent blog, people were calling it like a mummy blog and it was called Mamma Mia. And today they are probably the biggest independent publisher in the country. They reach tens of millions of women through podcasts and events and their website. And it's this amazing media business. And I really got this firsthand view of what it takes to grow a media startup. And I worked really closely with the founders and that was just such a cool experience. And I was really, you know, tasked with trying to figure out how content and commerce could be intertwined and didn't figure it out because in the end I was made redundant along with my entire team. And I think I was maybe 21 at the time. And that was just such a blow and also just like financially devastating. I had no buffer to fall back on. I was paying rent in Sydney and it's just really just a stressful time. I was eventually offered another job as the fashion editor at Pop Sugar in Sydney, which I absolutely loved. And at the time, Pop Sugar was like pretty big in the US, but digital publishing in general was really just in its early days in Australia. I think they definitely at the time were a few years behind the US. I think I may have opened Pop Sugar's first Instagram account in Australia, if that gives you like a bit of an idea about where the industry was at the time, like vogue.com.au. I'm pretty sure it was a corporate website. They weren't doing any publishing online yet, which is crazy. It was like a website where you could order the magazine. So that was that was where the industry was at the time. Digital publishing was very much in its nascent form. And it was also really cool though, because like I was very much a part of figuring out this new space, getting a lot of insights from the US. So feeling like I was, you know, like at the forefront of this new push in publishing and being the person along with the rest of the team, obviously, but also just like really trying to educate the local industry about why people cared about content on the internet and look at all these people we reach and look at all this affiliate revenue we're generating. Like this is something that you should take seriously. And so I was really there for that transition, which was very, very cool. But I always knew that I wanted to live in New York. I also always knew I wanted to run my own business, but I never really knew what that was. But this feeling of like wanting to live in New York wasn't I don't know. It wasn't this like longing that I had necessarily. It was just something that I innately always knew was going to happen. It was just, I don't know. I just knew it. I knew that I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I just innately knew that that was going to be part of my story. And then one day, you know, I was sitting on the couch in in our apartment. We were living in Bondi Beach and I was with my boyfriend who is now my husband. And I got an email from H&M inviting me to a press trip. They just launched in Australia and they wanted to send, I think it was four, maybe five editors from Australia to New York for an event. And I was like, yep, I'd never been to the US, but I was like, yes, this is my opportunity. I'm going to get a job and I'm moving. So I applied for jobs. I interviewed at one place. I got the job. 
wildly and started the crazy visa process and moved to New York three weeks later. And that was nearly eight years ago. I think I was maybe 24 at the time and the job was with a a website called Stylecaster. I was editor there and I worked there for a couple of years. They're owned by a bigger business called She Media. And that was really cool. Like I definitely got my footing in New York. There were definitely like a lot of challenges with that job, which I won't get into now, but it was an amazing opportunity to build my network in New York, get better as a content creator and as an editor, and just understand this digital content landscape much more thoroughly than I did before. And I had so many side hustles during this time. Again, I knew I wanted to start a business. I think um, I just didn't know what it was going to be. So I, at one point I had this like entrepreneurship media business side hustle that I called the dream job. I feel like it was, you know, it was 2015. Don't, don't judge me. And I had a podcast as well. And it was really inspired by what The Muse had built. And I wanted to be like an entrepreneurial The Muse. But I was so insecure about publishing content and putting myself out there without like that stamp of approval from a masthead like Pop Trigger or Starcaster. And so I just ended up deleting everything, which I look back on now and was so stupid. Like I would have been so much further ahead if I just kept at it. But whatever, it's a lesson learned. I stayed at Stylecaster for a couple of years and then I left. I thought that freelance writing might scratch that entrepreneurial itch that I had. So I was writing for folks like Birdie, Refinery29, Alua, all of those digital publishers, really hoping that that would feel like enough of an entrepreneurial achievement to go out on my own. But at the same time was also trying out a few different businesses that just didn't land. At one point I had this tech platform called Repeatly and it was essentially like a more progressive and inclusive image agency that used user-generated content. And we built it, we had publishers on board like Click Media who published Birdie. It was definitely being used. We had some subscribers, but I didn't have the skills to make it work. I actually think the concept was good and the timing was really right. Lots of these kind of things exist now, but I just didn't know how to figure it out. Like I didn't know enough about business. I didn't know enough about tech and I just didn't have enough confidence as well. So that ended up failing and closing. And then I had an idea for a custom beauty brand. And I was seeing all of this customization take off in like fashion and accessories with monogramming. So I started this little thing called the buff and it like actually blew up pretty quickly. I did a diploma in organic skincare formulation with a business called Formula Botanica in the UK. And just to get my bearings a little bit more, made this really, really basic Squarespace site where people would answer like a, like a form, fill out a form, tell me about their skin. And then I'd blend them in oil, print out the monogrammed label and send them this customized product. And we got so much press right from the beginning. So Vogue, Birdie, Allure, all of these publishers were writing about us. And yes, it helped that I had the connections definitely as an editor. But we I also just think like the idea hit really well because we were then picked up by Urban Outfitters all over the country. Riley Rose, which is the beauty chain that Forever 21 opened, they shut it like pretty quickly. But they we were in like quite a few stores there as well. And it was honestly just so exciting. You know, I was able to like save up some money, launch a new website that was way more robust and like streamlined a lot of the customization piece of the business. But then eventually we kind of like hit this plateau. I didn't have the confidence, I think, to like ask for the help that I needed. There were more custom brands that were 
launching with millions in VC funding. And I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't feel confident in raising money. I didn't know how to have those conversations. And I think the opportunity of that moment just really passed me by. And then by 2020, the cracks in the business kind of started to show things kind of slowed down. We had a lot of issues on the operations side and it just became more and more stressful and less and less financially rewarding. And in early 2020, I was also at the same time, I started doing some consulting work with UN Women and I was working in a very specific part of the team that worked with big advertisers and media companies in different countries around the world. And we basically just helped them to be more progressive in the way they spoke about gender and tackling some of the stereotypes in, in specific countries that we think were like holding back gender equality. So I'm doing this consulting work with UN Women. My business is in a world of pain. I'm seeing all of this mass cancellation of girl bosses that was making me feel even less confident and less like I wanted to put myself out there. And I was kind of just turning to this community and this network of women in business that I'd made while I was working as an editor and I was writing about their companies and as I was building my own brand as well and just trying to figure out like, what the hell do I do now? Like, what's the next step here? And just really realizing how valuable that network was. And I decided to turn those calls into something a little bit more formal that people could join I had a bit of an Instagram following, so I just invited folks on Instagram like, hey, if you have a small business or a big business, whatever, if you want to like come and learn from someone who's figured out this one piece of it, let's do a workshop with her. It's free to come along. It did not have any kind of name for a long time, but we were just really organically doing these workshops through early days of the pandemic on Zoom. I guess that kind of gave me the confidence to think maybe it could be a podcast. Maybe I could restart the podcast that I had first started, you know, years ago. And so we did. And I used the name Female Founder World because I really just wanted a SEO friendly term. Like if you search Female Founder in the podcast app, we come up. And so that just made really logical sense to me. I didn't know this was going to be a business that was more of a media and events play, but as a creative outlet, the word female, the word female founder, words female founder seem to make a lot of sense. So if you have suggestions about what we should change the name to, let me know because I don't love it. And I guess just being someone who is a content creator, quite entrepreneurial and a community builder at heart, the media piece of the business has come quite naturally to me. So I started writing a newsletter that just had all of the information that I really wish I'd had when I was building the buff. And that newsletter grew so much more quickly than the podcast, to be honest. We now reach tens of thousands of people, which is super cool. The feedback is great. If you're not on the newsletter list, I'll actually just put the link in the show notes here so you can you can jump on because it's a really, if I do say so myself, it's a really good resource. And the mission kind of evolved from there. So founders on the show just keep giving the same advice over and over again. When I ask them for a recommendation, they just say, go and find your entrepreneurial community, find a network of people who are They don't have to necessarily have achieved already what you want to achieve, but they have to be going where you want to go. Like find people to come along with you in this journey because you're going to need them. They're going to have the answers that you need and they're going to give you the support that you need as well. And it just made me realize that that's the most powerful thing that we can offer is that connection, that community, that network, like whatever you want to call it. We need a better word for networking because I feel like it's got this really transactional, shallow kind of 
connotation to it now where it's really just about friendships, like mutually beneficial relationships. And, you know, the, pulling out the tactics in these interviews and, and doing the workshops, it's all really, really important. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you can connect with the people who can support you and help you as you're on this weird offbeat entrepreneurial journey of yours. And I think that the best way to do that is in person. So many different tech products have launched to try and replicate that kind of friendship and connection. I just don't think any of them have, have been able to deliver what an in-person connection really does. And so we started doing events and that just snowballed so quickly. Like now we partner with these amazing companies like Shopify and Gorgeous to create these what I think are really special and really different to anything else that's out there are these kind of like pop-up networking events with really intentional moments for you to connect with other people who are going where you're going and to hear from and ask questions to people who have been where you want to go as well. So we're doing these events all over the US. They're going to be global soon as well. And of course, we have the online community and you are all invited to, to join that very special online space. But as a business, like we're really focused on the events for 2023 and about just creating those kismet moments of bringing people together in person, I think is super powerful and something that we've discovered that we're actually, you know, we're quite good at. So that's where we are now. We create a lot of media content, but at our core, Female Founder World is an events business. That is absolutely not what I thought we were creating when we started, but it turns out that's what people want. It's what our brand partners want to support and want to pay for. And this is a business. And like I said, it turns out it's something that we're good at delivering. And the team is really small. It's me, a content coordinator. I have some freelancers who help with graphic design and podcast editing. Actually, I'm looking for a really, really amazing, experienced, superstar, well-connected freelancer to help me with brand partnerships and sales for the event. So if you know anyone or if you are this person, reach out to me on Instagram or email me. I want to chat to you. We honestly have so much programming happening next year and the focus is very much about, okay, how do we up-level? Like how do we make these events scalable? How do we make them tighter, better, shinier? And how do we better convene and facilitate the connections in person that we that we want to be creating for all of you? So I'm really excited about what's happening in 2023. We have some other products launching as well, but again, the focus is really about fulfilling our mission of helping you meet your business besties online and IRL. So that's my story. I'm still living in New York with that guy who moved with me back in 2014. He's, yeah, he's now my husband and we're having a baby. If I sound like I'm out of breath, it's because I'm 31 weeks pregnant and apparently you get really out of breath when you're in your third trimester and that definitely is happening to me. I'm getting to the end of this like, oh man, <sighs> the baby's coming next year, which is really exciting. And I don't know, I don't share a lot of that on the podcast, but if you want to see more about me and my life and the behind the scenes of building a media business from the ground up and an events business from the ground up, you can chat with me on Instagram. I'm at Jasmine Garnsworthy. I'm on TikTok at Jazz Garnsworthy, all linked in the show notes. And I'm also really active in our community online as well. So I'm literally in that community on Geneva pretty much every day. So you can connect with me there as well. 
And that's my story so far. And I'm just so excited about where Female Founder World is going in, in 2023. I've loved connecting with you all so far. I can't believe we've done 100 episodes. But yeah, thank you so much. And I hope to see you at one of our events.